Hi, I'm Luann Botta, and I'm Marianne Crum. You know, lots of things may be in short supply these days, but hope doesn't have to be one of them. Join us for the next 30 minutes or so, and we'll remind you how you can live with unquenchable hope. Hi, everybody. My podcast buddy, Luann, has put on her traveling pants again, and she is out of town, so I am flying solo today. One of my goals every week is, of course, to encourage and bless you, but it's also to see if I can get Luann laughing so hard that she snorts. And sadly, that just can't happen today. But anyway, Thanksgiving has already come and gone So it might have been better for me to do what I'm going to do today, what I'm going to share with you before Thanksgiving, but I didn't. So I'm still going to share a Thanksgiving-y kind of message with you today because that is what is on my heart. And when you think about it, really, for believers in Jesus Christ, Thanksgiving isn't a day on the calendar. It's supposed to be a way of life for us. And one of the things that God's really been working with me on is that an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thanksgiving should be a grid that I process everything through. And if I can learn to do that and make that a habit where I'm always aware of God's blessings in my life, I have so much more joy, so much more peace, and my hope becomes truly unquenchable. So I'm just going to share with you some of the things that God has been teaching me in really pretty recent years about practically how I do that. How do we do that? How do we maintain that attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude? It seems to me that my natural bent is to see what's wrong and not what's right in the world or in in my life to focus on what I lack instead of what I already have. And you know how sometimes you'll be going along in life if you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, and all of a sudden God will just put his big old finger on something in your life, and you sense him saying, oh yeah, we're going here now. And it'll be something that maybe you haven't really thought about. That's the amazing thing about God. He doesn't just dump everything on us at once because he's a good father, a good parent. He he knows the process he wants to take us through to make us more like Jesus. And so he doesn't just lay all that on us at one time. It's a process. And it seems like it took a lot of years for me to get to the place where God knew that he wanted to really reorient the way my brain works. (laughs) And a big, huge part of that was to develop in me the discipline of being grateful. So that's what I want to talk about. I wish I had Luann here to bounce these things off of and to fill in all of the awkward silences, but I'm on my own. So here we go. Some of you out there are probably old enough to remember a somewhat creepy TV show that was very popular, I know, when I was a kid. And you can still watch it, I'm sure, on Netflix or Amazon Prime or something like that. It was called The Twilight Zone. And my parents didn't let me watch it when I was really little because it could be kind of scary. Mostly it's a little weird and quirky. But the host of that show was named Rod Serling, and he had kind of a creepy voice. He would say things like, 
Imagine a world where everyone but you has the head of a pig. I mean, really weird stuff. Anyway, these people in, in the episodes would find themselves in these really disorienting, weird situations. Well, I want you to, for just a minute, imagine a world where every single good thing is gone. No puppies, no mocha lattes, no beautiful sunsets, no art, no music, no love, no truth, joy, no laughter, no kindness. You struggle for any air to breathe. None of your body parts function the way they're supposed to. You might wake up every day wondering if gravity will disappear and you're going to be slung off the planet. Nothing is good. Nothing feels safe. Nothing is happy or beautiful. Like somebody took a big vacuum cleaner and sucked every good thing out of this world. One of the kinds of movies I hate are those post-apocalyptic movies like Mad Max. Those are probably at the top of my I'm never going to watch list because everything is dark and violent and dirty and greasy and barren and dismal and mean and scary. So if you can imagine a world like that, get that picture in your mind. And now consider James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. James is telling us that every good thing in our lives comes from God. So what if God were removed from this world? Well, basically what you would have is hell. That's the definition of hell, essentially, an absence of God. And so if everything good is taken out of the world, that's hell. And no matter how rough someone's life may be here, and I know that there are people who have very, very, very difficult lives, but they still enjoy a lot of God's goodness, even if they don't recognize it, or even if they don't acknowledge that it comes from God. The rain falls and the sun shines on the just and the unjust. And theologically speaking, we call that common grace. All of the good things that God has placed in this world and on this earth that we all get to enjoy, whether we are his followers or not, whether we have accepted Christ and become God's son or daughter or not, there are still a lot of good things to enjoy here. We all have air to breathe and relationships and material possessions and sunlight and rain and beautiful things in nature. The list could go on and on of all the things that God has placed in this world for us to enjoy. Psalm 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. That's common grace. Okay, so when God began to challenge me that I really needed to adjust my attitude and live with that thankful grid I realized that one of the big problems I was having was I was too often really wanting this fallen world to be heaven. And although God has placed a lot of good things in this world for all of us to be grateful for, I was always aware of the gap between my reality and then what I think would be perfect. 
what would be more comfortable, what would be more fun, what would be more fulfilling for me instead of all the good things that I already have. If you think of it like this, all right, there's hell where I asked you to imagine like all the good has been vacuumed out of this world. And so you've got hell where there's nothing good. And then there's your life, which is a mixture of good and bad, a mixture of easy and hard, pleasant and unpleasant. We have the presence and influence of both good and evil in this world, right? Okay, so you've got hell, and then you've got this world, which is a mixed bag, and then there's heaven, where everything is going to be perfect, where we'll finally get to see God's perfect good heart fully expressed without any trace of evil around us or in us. So you've got these three different realities. So what I want to ask you is, do you think more about the gap between your life and heaven? Looking at, at the things in your life and thinking, well, man, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is not perfect, and this could be better. Or do you live just simply grateful for that huge gap between hell and your life? if that makes sense. There are two gaps there that we can choose to focus on, either the gap between our reality and perfection or our reality and hell. Well, God began to show me this. I hope it makes sense to you because it was transformational for me. And as he changed my focus, I, I really grew and I'm still struggle with this and I'm still growing in grasping that this life is never going to be perfect this life right now. So I might as well just resign myself to that and focus on all the good things that God has given me when I deserve absolutely none of them. Because that kind of leads me to the second wrong attitude I had that God put his finger on. And that is this, that I take so many th the good things in my life for granted because bottom line is, I think I deserve them. Yeah. Like God owes me good things and a good life because, hey, I didn't ask to be born. He created this world and he created me and he ought to take care of me, right? That's called entitlement. <laughs> and it was a big, nasty, ungrateful thing in my heart that God had to deal with because do you know what I do deserve? Hell. We all do. We're born separated from God by our sins. We are born in a state of rebellion against God. But because of God's grace in sending Jesus to die and pay for my sins, and because I've accepted that amazing gift of salvation, I'm not going to get what I deserve. Praise God for that. But I still should never lose sight of the fact that every good thing in my life is a grace gift from God. It's not because I deserve it. Yes, I'm his child now, and there are a ton of blessings that come with that. But it's wrong for me to have this attitude of entitlement. I need to recognize that everything I have that's good, everything I experience and see and enjoy is absolutely a gift of grace and not what I deserve. I went to a memorial service recently for a friend named Sherry who lost her battle with cancer. And in that service, they had a time of testimony when anyone could come forward and just share some memories of Sherry. 
It was a really powerful Holy Spirit time together. And the thing that challenged me absolutely the most was that those who had walked really closely with Sherry during her 16-month battle with cancer said they never heard her complain. And these were people who sat with her for days on end, who had spent a lot of time by her bedside as she was going through chemo, and then in her last days, never heard her complain. And I remember saying to my husband on the way home, you know, I don't think anybody could say that about me, that I never complained. It was very, very convicting. Another thing that several people mentioned about Sherry, they said that she kept a a really neat drawing that an artist had done of Jesus beside her bed during her 16-month ordeal. And they had that drawing up in the front at the service. And said she would talk about how her situation was a win-win situation. And she would look at that picture and she would say, either God's going to heal me and give me more years, or I'm going to go get to see him face to face. And she would point to that picture. Then several people mentioned that she often quoted these lines from a very familiar hymn. And she would say, it is well with my soul, even as her body was dying There was a joy in her voice of, it is well with my soul. But to be able to look at that kind of suffering as a win-win situation, do I have that much faith? Do I have enough faith to not complain when I'm suffering like that? She must have really, really gotten that point that I'm trying to make. It's, It's a cliche, but she was able to look at the glass half full instead of half empty. Instead of looking at what she was losing She was focused, at the end at least, on what she was about to gain, that she would be in heaven. That's called real faith. She learned how to be thankful, how to look at even her situation, as hard as it was, through that grid of thankfulness. And she came to understand that sure hope that our short journeys in this fallen world are nothing compared to the glory to come if we've receive that salvation that God offers us through Jesus. Now, I know that we can never really predict how we'd react and what kind of grace would be poured out on us in tough situations like Sherry was dealing with and until we're actually in them. But I confess that I was very convicted that I cannot imagine going through what she went through and never complaining. And that says a whole lot about how much I still need to grow in this. She endured so many things that weren't even close to perfect, the opposite of perfect, in fact, but somehow she was able to not focus on those things. It's a wonderful thing to think about heaven, and as we've talked on here many times and Luann teases me about, I am a little obsessed with heaven. I love to think about it and talk about it. But the danger there for me was that expecting this life in this world to be heaven shipwrecks me every time. If I'm always looking at what's not good, instead of thinking about the thousands of things that are good, that are blessings from God, it's just a quick trip for me to dissatisfaction, even bitterness. So I want to share with you, and I think I've probably mentioned this before on our podcast, but 
a really helpful, important tool that God has used, very practical, and is still using to help me as I try to grow in this area of my life and to live with more gratitude and to focus on the good things that come down from my Father in heaven. It is a very simple thing that I call a thankful journal. And as I'm meeting with ladies to do biblical counseling, I really urge them to adopt this discipline if they haven't already, because it has been life-changing for me. So I have a purple notebook. I bought it several years ago. And again, I think I've shared this story before how this came about. I had had three shoulder surgeries in in a row pretty much. So I ended up having to spend a lot of nights sleeping on a recliner, which is what you usually have to do if you've had shoulder surgery. And having so many in a row like that, I just was super tired of being in this recliner back in my office. It was just depressing. So I was struggling with being thankful. And I had read a book by Ann Voskamp, the name of which is escaping me right this minute. But she really encourages people in that book to keep a thankful journal. So again, I used this purple notebook that I had, and I just started writing down all the things that I could think of to be thankful for. I was kind of overwhelmed with the basics, clean water, house to live in, indoor plumbing. You can just think of a zillion things when you set your mind to it. So my list got pretty big pretty quickly. And I just have kept it up. Now, I confess I don't do it every day. I should, because there are always things I can put in there. But I'm up near 4,000 things right now, and it could be much, much bigger if I would absolutely do this every day. But I tell you what, it has been the best thing for my spiritual and emotional health that I've ever done before in terms of just a discipline. Well, actually... I can think of some other things that probably are even more important. So let me mention those. But this thankful journal is definitely up in my top four or five. So four of the things that have had the biggest impact on my thinking and on my emotional health are these. First of all, knowing that I'm loved and accepted by God and can live in a real relationship with him that he would want to have a real relationship with me, that he accepts me and loves me and has adopted me as his daughter through faith in Jesus. I mean, that's huge. Because out there in the world, there are people who are thankful for the things they have, but they don't know who to be thankful to. I mean, imagine, okay, that the UPS guy comes to your door and delivers this amazing gift to you. And you open it, but you have no idea where it came from. Gift itself is great, but half the fun is knowing who loved you enough to send you this amazing gift, right? Well, people who have no relationship with God because they don't believe that he wants to have a relationship with them and they don't believe that Jesus paid for their sins to give them that relationship, they don't know that every good gift comes down from God, that every good thing in their life is because of the grace of God. And so much of the joy for me of keeping that thankful journal is that I absolutely know who gave me those 4,000 things or did those 4,000 things for me. I know I don't deserve them. And I know they came from a God of grace and mercy and love. Okay, so first of all, the key to right thinking is to have that right relationship with God through Christ. Second thing is the daily discipline of reading God's Word, and that is something that I'm 
I'm very thankful that when I came to Christ in college, the friend who led me really to Christ and shared the gospel with me was also my roommate. And I saw that every morning she had her Bible out, even though we had crazy busy schedules. She would pull her Bible out and sit there on her bed and read the Bible. I saw how that was a priority in her life. And if you're listening, Cindy, I will be forever grateful for that because I just adopted that. I thought, well, that's what she does. That's what I need to do. And of course, over the years, I have learned that it's absolutely essential because we are being bombarded all the time with lies in this world. And we have to have a standard of truth. I absolutely believe that God's word is that standard. And if I don't renew my mind every day in his word, it makes me very vulnerable to lies. So that's another key part to getting our thinking straight and laying that foundation so that we can live with an attitude of gratitude. Okay, the third thing that has had such an impact on me is having that eternal perspective that whatever I think is wrong in this life and in this world will be right in heaven. Whatever I don't get to experience in this life, I believe that there will be some corresponding blessing in heaven where I will have that experience in some form. I mean, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but I believe that every hunger and every desire that are good and right is going to be fulfilled in heaven. So I don't have to experience every good thing now because I know that's coming. It's, it's just like delayed gratification. I've used this illustration before. If you know that you're getting ready to go on a fantastic vacation, you can endure a lot of things that week before because you keep telling yourself, yeah, but vacation is coming. Vacation is coming. Well, I know that heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. I don't have to demand it now. Things don't have to be perfect here because they're going to be perfect there. And if you want just a, a verse to hang on to, or actually two verses, write these down on an index card to remind yourself to have that eternal perspective. I recommend Revelation 21 verses four and five. It says, he, God, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So we have God's word on that. He's going to wipe away our tears. So all those things that are not right here are going to be made right there. And I want to be there. And we cannot be there apart from placing our faith in Jesus Christ to cover our sins. Okay, and so the fourth thing that has helped me, again, to reorient my perspective and my thinking is what I've already mentioned, which is to keep that thankful journal. In Psalm 9, the first two verses say, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. What jumped out at me there was that word will. I will give thanks. I will tell. I will be glad. I will sing praise. It's a discipline and a choice. And again, for me, because my natural bent was more towards seeing what was wrong and perhaps complaining, 
And I go back and I look at those 4,000 things, it blows my mind. Because we, we easily can forget what God has done and what he's given us. The bottom line of what I'm saying is that wrong expectations can totally shipwreck us and lead us into depression. But by the same token, having gratitude in our hearts and opening our eyes to all that is good around us, imagining what our lives would be like if every good thing were removed, every good thing, and then realizing that we have so much because God is so generous and so gracious. Maybe Thanksgiving didn't go the way that you hoped it would. Maybe you didn't get to spend it with people that you love, or maybe it was contentious or strained, or maybe you were alone. Maybe you're heading into this Christmas season just anticipating that it's going to be depressing and discouraging and disappointing, that it's not going to be that hallmark Christmas. Then I really, really encourage you to start this discipline of looking at what is right in your life, asking God to open your eyes to that because it can transform your entire holiday season as well. I think tempering our expectations is so big. So I want to just close now in prayer and pray that this will be the best December and holiday season you have ever had because you're going to renew your mind in God's word and ask him to give you that filter of gratitude. Father, I am so overwhelmed with your heart. I cannot wait to see your heart fully expressed in heaven. But God, there's so many things you have placed in this world right now. Even with all that's wrong, even with all that breaks your heart, there's still so much good and every bit of it comes from you. Help us, Father, to walk in that knowledge and in that attitude, Father, of gratefulness to you. I pray that those that are listening that may be having really, really tough circumstances would realize that if they know you, everything is a win-win situation because you are our Redeemer. You can take even the most difficult things in our lives and use them for our good. That's your promise. And God, this is just a short little flash our lives here. And then we have all of eternity stretched out. And I pray that if there's anyone listening that doesn't know you as their savior, that hasn't come into relationship with you, that they would just bow their knee and ask you to save them, to save them from hell, to save them from an eternity without you and without your goodness. God, please take these very imperfect words I've shared and anoint them with your spirit to use, to encourage people to know you, to see you, to believe you. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If this podcast encouraged you, it might encourage someone else too. So please share it and share some hope.